till we couldn't shake no more. We got down on our knees when cancer knocked at our door. We got kicked in the ass. We gave lots of sass. Oh, when it rains, it falls into this half full glass. Oh, thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Victories in the dark. You're listening to Thanks, Cancer. I'm Mimi Hall. I'm Leanna House. We're two cancer friends. We are not doctors. No, and we're not shrinks. We're not nurses or anything like it. And because of that, we are going to use some appropriately obscene language. Let's just call it salty. Anyway, we hope you'll enjoy it. This is the podcast we wish we had when we were dealing with our treatment. Uh, We are recording. Hey, so let's talk about the media. Cancer in the media. Let's talk about the media. All right. Um, I was reading a news article recently on Twitter because that's where I spend all my time. And it was this article about a young girl who recently died from cancer. And there were a couple of survivors on Twitter that were getting annoyed at the use of the battle language. Hmm. Um, we talked about that. We, we've, we've talked about that, but like the, it got me thinking about how every time the media talks about cancer, it's always like the inspirational f- fight. It's always hyperbolic. It's always like she lost her battle with cancer and, but she was so inspirational and touched so many lives and how survivors and cancer patients are portrayed in the media. Like, it's not how I feel. That's not how I want to be portrayed. That's not, that doesn't resonate with me. I feel that. And, you know, it's not just hyperbolic. The media doesn't just tend to be hyperbolic about people's stories, which definitely trend towards stories that are attractive, but also um, news about health and wellness and breakthroughs. I mean, God knows, every single cancer survivor knows that every single time there's some sort of a breakthrough, usually, which does not apply to the survivor at all. They're going to get an influx of people saying, oh, hey, well, I've heard that immunotherapy really works. And it's like, yeah, that's like saying I've heard chemo works it's broad and or or you'll get people saying oh there's this there's this um journal article and now they've cured stage four breast cancer well i mean they've been progress but they haven't cured it like this was a very specific um controlled environment under very specific conditions that maybe you can generalize eventually but like not now not right this second. I have to admit I'm a little worn down, too, when I tell people about my story and they say things like, oh, immunotherapy, is that what I've been reading about in the news? I now just say, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's I mean, it's not really, like but it is kind of. Correcting people. You're, you'll spend all your time. You'll spend all your time with about how people talk about cancer. There's also a ton of food articles, too. Like, again, we've talked about this in other episodes, but this is oh, this control thing the, of, the like, if you don't eat cure steak, your cancer. Oh, the things that cause cancer, the things that cure cancer. Things that, foods that are good for chemo. Right. And I just, so there are some things that are really good out there. Like, I really, really love um, Rhonda Patrick's um, 
found my fitness. I'm an addict of hers and I did find out about broccoli sprouts through her. So there's some stuff that's really good out there, but I'd say the stuff that makes your news feeds like your Google news feed or your Apple news feed is usually annoying to survivors to hear about. Yes. The more obscure, the better and the more specific, the better when it comes to our personal news feeds from friends and and family. I can understand that for news, I'm probably extra sensitive. Well, and you know, this is a funny thing. So I listen to a lot of, um, I I don't know, I've become addicted to comedy. my cancer. I love comedy. And as you know, I have this like vague 10 minutes in my mind that I'm trying to get together for stand up. It's very vague, but I take notes a lot and I understand that's important. But it is funny, like in comedy routines and stand up in comedy podcasts, uh, media, whatever. um, Right. Us, I guess. Um, but not with us, because it's always used <laughs> as cancer is like the worst scenario. Like cancer is the tragedy along the lines of like, hey, you know, it's not like you got terminal cancer. Oh, this guy's got terminal cancer. And and it's something that I never picked up on before. Well, let me say this. I wasn't sensitive to the usage before and I am pretty sure that I used cancer as a worst case scenario before too but it is something that just as someone who got diagnosed with cancer suddenly I was like oh and I would also hear things especially from comedians maybe more than other parts of the media of just misconstruing like baldness for having cancer do you know what I mean and I get it it's light it's pithy it's off the cuff and And it's visible yeah and you don't really know god bless what that that's cancer treatment you're doing comedy it's not semantics but I don't know there's just something that came up for me that I was sensitized to a little bit from the media when I was going through treatment well and cancer comes up a lot like yeah. I, went, I went to a presentation about like psychiatric diseases and they talked about cancer like a ton, like half the time okay not half the time but it was like right. 25% like cancer is ubiquitous yeah I mean and there is good comedy out there Oh, no, there's great comedy out there. I mean, Tig Notaro was incredible, right? I mean, that whole thing she did at Largo. And I mean, I don't know if I should actually explain. So she, Tig Notaro, for those of you who guys don't know, um, and you should totally listen to this. You should know her. Yeah. So she was recorded at Largo doing a stand-up routine right after she got diagnosed with cancer. And I'm not going to try to paraphrase or imitate. Just go to it. And... um, you will find it if you Google Tignataro Largo Cancer, and it is worth every second that you spend listening to it. And I listened to that a lot when I first got diagnosed. Was it comforting? Oh, it was the best because it was someone being raw and real, and her spirit was completely there. She was still herself in a complete state of shock, having just gotten diagnosed with breast cancer. I don't know that I would perform. Yeah, and you want to know who... Um, really distributed and made it popular. Louis C.K. Wow. Yeah, chronic masturbator. Thanks, Louis C.K. Hey. (laughs) Cancer doesn't discriminate in people. (laughs) Well, well, you know what I watched when I was first diagnosed with cancer? Well, rewatched. Breaking Bad. I've never watched that. I know, I know about it, but I've never watched it. So he's he's someone who's making meth. So it's and then he gets cancer. It's a funny premise because anywhere else in the world, with socialized medicine, like the plot doesn't make any sense to them because the oh. plot is that he's a school teacher who gets diagnosed with stage four lung cancer, 
and he can't pay for it. Oh, and then he gets into cooking the meth. He cooks the meth because it's the quickest and easiest way to make money. He was a chemistry teacher. I can so relate to... Yeah. Yes. I, yes. I never turned to anything like that. But. Uh, but the great thing about... The thing that I really like about Breaking Bad is that it is... I mean, it's dark, but it's also funny, and cancer is not... I mean, cancer is central, because that's why he starts making meth, but cancer is not central to his character. It's not central to, like... Like, cancer is just another facet of who he is. It's part of the plot. Yes, it's part of the plot. It's not part of the character. Right. And that's a different way of looking at cancer from how cancer is usually looked at. Now, do they show him getting treatment at all? They show him getting treatment. They show him in the chemo chair. He loses all of his hair. Um, there's a there's a scene where he pretends to be in a fugue state, all confused. And I guess he was arguing chemo brain. <laughs> okay. It's um, real. So, yeah, you, you do see him, you know, pretty pretty sickly looking uh-huh. um, but I, that's really just the first season it doesn't play a central role after I mean, there hasn't been correct me if I'm wrong but there hasn't been a lot of shows that feature cancer necessarily I mean I mean cancer is what you know your grandma died of I mean cancer doesn't get a laugh track there is yeah. <laughs> We should make one. The Thanks Cancer <laughs> Laugh Track. <laughs> Trademark. <laughs> well, we... No, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, TV sitcoms that have cancer. I can't, I can't either. And I even Googled. And Oh, did you? I didn't. Well, I mean, I had crappy service, but Breaking Bad was the first page. So. Yeah, that's the one that I'm aware of, too. I never watched the show, but I don't think of cancer as featuring in a lot of... Oh, no, Sex in the City. Samantha got breast cancer, oh. actually, in that, in that series. And that was one of the ones that I thought was pretty realistically portrayed. I mean, as much as Samantha's character allowed. Is Samantha the slutty one? Well, let's... Let's choose the very sexually empowered (laughs) one, Leanna. She's the sexually empowered one. I will not use slut shaming language. Hello, Utah. I am sometimes your Utah. My Utah shows through. I just saw your slip a little bit. (laughs) Your prairie slip. All right. Anyway, so yes, Samantha is the sexually empowered one, and her young younger lover stays with her through the treatment, and it's sweet. It kind of comes and goes in the way that you think. Sex in the City would deal with it. But I really appreciate that. Yeah. You know, I really do appreciate that. Well, it's important, I think, when you get cancer, like, you don't know how to go through it. So you think about all of the things that you've seen. Like, right. maybe you know someone who's gone through it. But if you don't, then how you go through it or how you think about it is right. what you see in the media. Right. I mean, I think so many things that you're just growing up now always with constant television and media, the onslaught. I mean, we don't have people that we know personally. We look towards the people that we've seen on the screen. And let's say it's facts. Like, the things we see in the movies are, they're tragic by nature, I would say, for the most part. Like 90% of the time. I mean, think so. The place in terms of endearment comes to mind. Okay. Beaches comes to mind Step for me. Mom, oh God. A walk to remember. 
The Fault in Our Stars. Oh my God. So I saw The Fault in Our Stars right after I'd gotten diagnosed. Why did you do that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Bad it was decision. well. It was weird. It was where I got turned. It was the so I went down to Florida, and I had my own room with my own TV with like a ridiculous amount of cable as one has in Florida, and which is weird. And um, the Fault in Our Stars was on. I don't even think I really knew what it was about. I was just like, oh, here's a, a movie story. About stars, young love. So yes, I watched it. Um, no spoilers here, but I wept. You can imagine. And then you know, the next morning I got up and my friend who had invited me down to Florida was like, what happened? My eyes were all puffy. I was like, I watched The Fault in Our Stars. And she said the same thing. She was like, why would you do that? And I think I was looking, like you said, for a little modeling. Yes. Which, you know, I, I definitely, I have not watched a lot of cancer movies since then. Well, and the modeling in the movies is the inspiration, the fighter right. that dies in the end. Like, right. I'm thinking of A Walk to Remember and it's this tragic love story and I understand that that's I guess what teenage girls want to see or what sells or whatever it is but mm-hmm. like it's just not like you don't have to be an inspirational like Ophelia right well there is a tradition of this too like tuberculosis used to be the romantic disease to die of my is name cancer is cancer romantic maybe I mean my name is Mimi so la bohème is referenced a lot mm-hmm. you know my name is Lucia but they call me Mimi and she dies coughing up blood and I think I do think cancer is the new sort of romantic thing to die from because it's romanticized die young and pretty basically unfortunately you know I mean I think that's kind of it but I mean, I don't know, like, in some of these movies, I haven't even seen A Walk to Remember. I have seen Stepmom. Oh, my goodness. So, Stepmom, uh, right after my mother died of cancer when I was 15 years old, my dad and my older sister rented Stepmom. And Why? I, was, I don't, I do not know. And I started watching Stepmom with them, but as soon as the mother got diagnosed with cancer, I was like, what are, what are we doing here? That was Susan and, Sarandon, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she was good in that. I laughed. I was like, fuck this shit. And I went upstairs oh, and I listened to loud music, but they stayed downstairs and they watched the movie and they wept. And maybe that was cathartic for them. I think it probably was. But like, that is not how my mom... Uh, it, it, that wasn't something that was useful to me because that's not how my mom experienced cancer or how I saw her experience of cancer. Mm-hmm. It was not a stepmom situation in the, I don't know, very idealized, very whitewashed, very like sterile depictions of what cancer is like or what cancer does to a family. Yeah. And movies are all like that, right? Like, Father of the Bride has no relationship with reality, of course. Right. But that's what makes these portrayals kind of screwed up, too. I mean, it's just always so tragic. It always... I don't think I've seen many movies about survivorship. I have seen practically no movies about survivorship. I can't think of one. I can't think of one except the example in TV of Sex and the City. So... I don't know. Wait. I have an idea for a movie. Okay, tell me your idea for a movie. Okay, so this did not have a working title before, um, but I've had this idea probably since I got diagnosed because I love science fiction, and I would call it Cancer Path. Cancer Path. Mm-hmm. Cancer Path. And basically, my movie would consist of 
everyone who has had a certain strain of immunotherapy treatment survives a major plague. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're left and we're the cancer paths and that is what we have in common. Now we have a lot of issues to deal with. Well, do you skew older? We skew older. We skew breast cancer, lung cancer, especially because there's a lot of immunotherapy being Mm. used in that. I see some awesome product placements for Genentech, by the way, and various other pharmaceutical companies and hospitals, perhaps. (laughs) And people who have gotten this treatment, but like people like me have issues because we have breasts that need to be replaced. So the only people that are left, the population is really dwindled, but it's a very varied population as we know, because cancer does not discriminate. It does trend older and we are cancer paths. Do you think that uh, cancer paths would get through uh, that type of plague situation easier because at least it's not a recurrence of cancer? (laughs) I think we've got a lot of metal. I think we have a lot of metal, and I think that we have a certain determination, but we are also very physically weak. Some of us have amputations to deal with. Some of us have, you know, silicone breast implant replacements that we need to deal with. Um, Someone's going to have to learn how to be a surgeon. Yeah, and we're going to have to cluster. Haha, get that? (laughs) Cancer path cluster. We'll have to cluster in certain cities and we'll cluster around treatment centers. So there we go. I think we could make way better movies. Okay. Way better movies than what is out there. So I have an idea for a movie. Okay, go for it. Okay. So in my movie, it features Erica, who had stage three breast cancer. Um, She was diagnosed when she was working as a sex therapist, and she goes on this journey to reclaim her sexuality because it's part of her profession, it's part of her life. She does that even in the midst of all of her treatments. It's called Fifty Shades of Pink. There you go. (laughs) I think it's a great idea for a movie. I think it would be better than Fifty Shades of Grey. I think it would all rely on the casting. Okay. Do you have an idea of who would be in it? Oh, I don't. I don't know who could who could pull off like funny but also kind of tragic. I know who. Lena Dunham. <gasps> Calling you Jenny Connor and Lena Dunham. Oh my God, she mm-hmm. would be amazing. I think so. I've got this idea. It's it's you know I think this is a totally self centered idea and I'm I'm working on a piece um, it's I've been working on it for a while as evidenced by my lack of posting it on the blog but I think it's longer um, called shaking the dollhouse and for me like I don't know it's the story of like I used to shake the dollhouse a lot as a kid so my cousins would come over I had this wonderful A frame dollhouse that my grandfather made me. This is in real life. And I would have my cousins, when they would visit me on the Cape, like set it up all nice and pretty. I had everything. I had utensils and plates and cups and everything in these teeny little miniaturized forms. 
And we would set it all up. And beautiful antique furniture. Lovely. Like, just lovely. And then we would set it all up. And my favorite thing to do would be I would just suddenly surprise them and slam the A-frame down. Like, because it was an A-frame house. And you could open up the front, as one does with the dollhouse, mm-hmm. and then slam it down. And I would just shake it and say, earthquake, tornado, volcano. Ah. <laughs> you, were, and, you were kind of a, a chaotic child. Absolutely. Huh? And then cut to me at the age of what was I, 43, living a life where I was literally trying to put together this dollhouse of my own life in life scale, human life scale, and human adult life scale, and uh, keeping it all together, keeping it all together, and then literally having the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, you know, diagnosis, take my dollhouse and completely shake it. And it's so funny, like, I can even see these scenes in the movie, like, with me riding my bike to the yoga studio, like, when I found the lump, and then breaking up with my boyfriend, and then getting the diagnosis, going treatment, and I see the person who will play me, and it's so horrifying for me to say. Who is it? Jennifer Aniston. <gasps> it just is. I think I think Jennifer Aniston could do a really great Mimi Hall. She would do... Not just because my story is the story of so many people like this is not just this is so many. And I dare say I feel like it's so many women who have hertunoia because I've met other women who've had hertunoia. And interestingly, I've even had a lover who seems to have a thing for hertunoia positive breast cancer chicks were intense. We want to grow. And this movie would explore our obsession for growth and then our acceptance. So, hey, I'm enough. I survived. Yeah. So this is going to be a drama? For me, it's always a comedy drama. That's life. Yes. That's life. So anyway, there it is. That's my pitch. I, I would watch that movie. Right up. I I would pay money to watch that movie. So I think that there should be a hangover movie about a chemo weekend. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So this would be pure comedy. I'm seeing a couple of friends who are in a cancer cluster, and they're all going through treatment at the same time. And one of them doesn't show up for chemo, and his friends have to track him to the ashram where he's gone to cure cancer with positivity and the power of kale, and he doesn't want to do treatment anymore. Pits. Breathing, the breath will heal my cancer. I don't know. It it explores a lot of alternative therapies, alternative medicines, but um, most of the movie is going to be the journey to find the friend, as it is with the Hangover movies. And my favorite scenes are the two friends have the same type of cancer, but one of them is a one-upper. That's um, that. That is such a scene. That's a scene with the two <laughs> friends sitting next to each other. This is so hard. They can't even. I literally. Can't even we have the same cancer. <laughs> we have the same protocol. Stop. And <laughs> they have to call off the search if either one of them. What kind of cancer do they have, Leanna? All um, different kinds. I think, a salad. I think a <laughs> cancer lung salad. cancer cluster. Ooh. I think you should do something more photogenic. <laughs> Testicular cancer? Definitely, if it's comedy. Okay. I mean, definitely. Let's let's. I mean, no, but that's, it's also younger men who tend to get testicular okay. cancer, and I don't know. 
know if you always get chemo for testicular cancer. Like you it's get, a chemo pill. You get a different, it depends. If it spreads, you, you would get a chemotherapy. So okay. there so would have to be just like bad. They have bad testicular, testicular cancer. <laughs> There's the laugh track. We could reprise the same people from the original Hangover to be in this. That would be so. I think that would be hilarious. I think it it would be the the best. And what's that really Mm -hmm. hot one? Oh. Is it Bradson? Uh, yes, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. Oh my God. So, all right. So, those are pitches. Wait, um, I'm not very good at movie pitches. But you know who is? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> so one of the things that got me through cancer treatment was my stepbrother. Oh, the one he's got the podcast. Yes, he's yes, got yes, the yes. podcast Bacon Sale, and they do movie pitches. They do. I'm entertained by their movie pitches. Yeah, but apparently I cannot replicate the well, same level all, of entertainment. You know, sure, we can't be everything to anyone, everyone. But so I want. I want Bacon Sale yeah. to do better than we did. I want oh. them to come up with better cancer movie pitches. Okay. Challenge. Challenging, challenging Bacon Sale. Although, I don't think that they're going to pick it up because I think these waters are too deep for them. But... Well, cancer's depressing, as cancer, we discussed. Cancer is depressing. And you know, the thing is, you're not allowed to laugh about cancer unless you've had it. It's a little bit like you can make jokes about being yeah. Catholic if you're Catholic, Jewish if you're Jewish. Kind so of maybe Irish it's not a fair challenge. But right. what they could do is I asked my stepbrother to write me a parody song about my cancer experience Oh, called Everything is Horse Poo. Okay. To the tune of Everything is Awesome, because it's like this peppy pop song. Mm-hmm. That is what I felt like when I got diagnosed. Everything is horse poo, and I still want to hear that song. Okay, challenges out there. Okay, Bacon Sale. Bacon it's Sale. It's going to happen. Bacon Sale, help us, because our pitches kind of suck. <laughs> They're a little soft. I mean, I'm not going to lie, but I do want to say, I think there's actually a lot of room. I, I hope people in the media will stand up, pay attention. I, I know it's one of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast, too, is just to bring a little humor, a little brevity, a little levity. Well, and just more facets of the cancer experience than inspirational person who dies. Yeah, what happens to us after we're alive? Yeah, I don't. I have no idea. We are the new tribe. Right on. And um, thanks to the people who are talking about this stuff and keeping it real, we are about to update some of our resources to include some of the cool podcasts and cool media sites that you can find that talk about cancer in a way that's a little bit less hyperbolic and a little bit more real, as we try to be every week. Okay. Well, thanks, Mimi. Thanks, Leanna. Thanks, Thanks, cancer. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Thanks Cancer. If you want to find us, you can find us on Facebook at Thanks Cancer, on Instagram as Thanks Cancer, and on Twitter as, guess what? Thanks Cancer. And if you enjoyed today's episode and you're so inclined, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. And subscribe. Yeah, definitely subscribe. And listen, we want to hear your stories too, so please reach out to us at info at thanksgancer.com if you have something to share. Well, the traffic stopped you lay on the horn and you ask yourself, where is my cancer unicorn? But we're at the gate with your cancer call.
hard We're your passport date Cause cancer's damn hot Oh, thanks cancer Thanks cancer Thanks cancer Victories in the dark